Good afternoon and welcome to the Power Hour. This show is about community matters, diversity and inclusion, a platform for women, leadership, entrepreneurship and inspirational stories. And today I am honoured to have Yao Awusu, get that right, on the show from the um, PRS Foundation, aka also known as Power Up. Thank you so much for joining me today, Yao. Well, thanks, thanks for having me on the Power Hour. I appreciate it. You're, you're more than welcome. I've been trying to get Yao in the hot seat for a while, <laughs> so I feel really privileged. <laughs> it, was, it was always going to be a yes, so I'm just glad that we, we finally crossed paths in our calendars to make it happen. Absolutely. So, Yao, um, yeah, first of all, um, I'm really, really excited to hear about Power Up. I know you've already had one cohort um, and you're going to... Um, now your second round of cohorts. Um, so I'd really, really like it if you could just, um, yeah, tell us, tell us a little bit about you first, actually. Um, I'm Yawusu. I'm, I, I suppose, a creative consultant, um, independent um, person, professional, and I, and I work with organisations and individuals around, you know, their creative ambitions, essentially. And more specifically, the work I do is almost, it can be summed up by like I design, develop and deliver music projects, initiatives and events. Um, and, you know, even within that, you know, things like content for radio and TV and stuff like that. But it's all kind of aimed at kind of creatively consulting on on projects, great projects like PRS Foundation's Power Up. And, and what is Power Up? Um, if you could just tell us a little bit about it, even... Even though I know about it for the wider audience, what is what is Power Up about? Power Up is um, an initiative that is managed by PRS Foundation, which focuses on anti-black racism and racial disparity in the music industry. How how you tackle that, um, and the the focus is, I suppose, well, the approach is is two ways really. You've got one kind of working with individuals um, to power them up. And we can get into that in a little bit. And that's the Power Up Participant Programme. And then the second avenue is how you, or how we challenge the systems that exist that keep in place racist practice and racial disparity within the UK music industry. So, yeah, you know, essentially it is about tackling anti-Black racism in the music industry and racial disparity in the music industry, but it's, it's done in various ways. Um, and that that in essentially is is power up. Um, I suppose at the moment the most visible part of power up is the participant program, which essentially powers up forty individuals, twenty music music creators, and twenty industry professionals who are black, who are from anywhere in the UK, work in any part of the industry, um, sector, genre, and through a year long um, program of masterclasses of you know grant given investment support networks coaching mentoring mental health first aid training all these things the idea is we want to take x professional whether they're a music creator or industry professional who's hitting a barrier which could be or is related to their race and get them to break through that glass ceiling so they they essentially become a future leader in the music industry, but I suppose more important on an individual level, attain that level that they want to attain and we can help them through that. So that's the participant programme, which um, 
interestingly enough, we've we're we're tying up year one now, and we'll just open applications for year two. Um, so it's obviously a very opportune time to have this discussion. Um, it's I think it's fantastic. Um, I've been involved in your first with your first co- cohort, and I can just see how much of an impact it's going to make. Um, what would you say are the bottlenecks, the bugbears in the music industry where, you know, of course there is there's great disparity, the bridges need to be um, brought together and and what would you say, you know, are, are some of the things, the reason why Power Up essentially was created? I think the investment, and when I say investment, I'm, I'm talking everything from, you know, cash, time, opportunity, the investment with or into black music professionals, whether they are creatives or they work behind the scenes, is is subpar compared to the investment given and the opportunities given to professionals from other races. And I think mm. considering the impact and and the impact of what we bring to this music to, to this industry to this economy it, it, it's 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 not right there's a massive disparity there's a massive disparity um in pay remuneration opportunities mm-hmm. experiences um so that's a that's a you know that's that's massive do you know what i mean like you, you know factually and i'm sure you understand this you know and and got this specifically black lives in, in music done a report on black women are really treated at the bottom of the rung within the music industry, the way they're paid com- in comparison to their counterparts, even compared to black men. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, like, it, it's it's a lot of these things that need to be addressed. There's individuals, and you work with some individuals on the programme, so you know it's like, you know, imposter syndrome, you yeah. know, feeling like you're in a silo, lack of connection. Again, you work with people who are not just in London, where there's a, a large... Um, black population, but people who have in Northern Ireland or Scotland or a small town in the Northeast. So it, their, their level of connection is lower. So when you talk about power up, and I mentioned the network before, that's why it becomes important because the strength in numbers, the strength in that support, the strength in sharing resource and resource can be knowledge, resource can be connections, whatever it would be. But so it's these challenges that if you're in the music industry, and you're black, you are facing, and um, you know that's without getting into this, you know the intersectional experiences of people who you know yeah. of black females, or if you're black and gay, or you you know what I mean, or you're black in the same. It's, yeah. There's loads of intricacies, and I suppose when I came on board with Power Up, um, because it was founded by Ben Winter and Joe Franklin. Joe's the CEO of of PRS Foundation, um, and Ben worked at PRS Foundation at the time. And when they came, they they had this idea, you know, the program and the the movement. And when I came on board, I I, brought, I was essentially brought in to do the R and D and just do the research and development to just you know substantiate what their vision was, I suppose. And as I spoke to more and more individuals, I'm talking over a hundred black music um, professionals, and really got that level of detail about the challenges that exist and how the challenges in different sectors um, are slightly different. So if you're in the, the recording and publishing industry, there are some challenges there, but we we are we index okay in that space. Um, 
but still not at a high senior level, decision-making level, but still we're, we're in that space. But then you look at the live industry. Oh my God. Do you know what I mean? There's challenges there that are going to take a bit longer because, you know, it's not just who's on the stage. If we're, if we're making, if, if black music is in now or black artists are cool and it's selling, we will be on the stages. We, right. we know that. We'll be, we'll be used in that way. But who's booking the talent? Yeah. Are they getting paid the same as their white counterparts? Are they getting treated the same as their white counterparts? You know, we had Form 696 for a while that stopped, I suppose, black music being put on and certain, you know, there's, there's layers to it. And then can you get a quota within the live music industry in terms of staffing and security that are black and who's on stage? Well, what happens when you go to a small town in Wales? Does it apply? Can it apply? Because the population is totally different. So it, it's like intricacies, but all this sort of coming out of the research and development, but it, it kind of made clear that Power Up had to follow the path and that design that ultimately is what the offer is of, yeah, there's got to be money, but the network's going to be critical. The, the masterclass is going to be critical. Looking at the individual as a fully rounded person. And so hence, when you've done a session on um, analyzing yourself, your strengths and weaknesses, how you learn, how you yeah. understand, how you, how you work is key. But then we've got other things like, you know, just connecting with the partners, connecting with each other, you know, leadership practice, uh, practice pitching, but getting in the boardroom, all yeah. these things are really important. And then, as I said, alongside that is like, how does this now inform the movement side? So when you get something massive, like what's going on now about the reform around streaming and how streaming's paid and how that impacts the creatives and the rights owners, where's the black, where, where are black people in that discussion? So, you know, one of, one of the founders and one of my colleagues on this, Ben Winter, was massively um, passionate about we've got to be part of that conversation as black people. So that's where Power Up can then leverage. Also with the Sport PRS Foundation, who's obviously well-respected as a trade body across the industry, to make sure black people are now part of that conversation. So it's like the two hands are needed to yeah. be able to, to make this work. But it is based, as you asked before, it's based on the information and the experiences of black people. And even the lead of Power Up, like I am the senior manager and you know, I coordinate a lot of the activity, but the steering committee that really strategically steer power up is, is, you know, predominantly black. And it's got people like Keith Harris and Jackie Davidson and Danny D and people who have come through this industry when it was well worse than it is now in terms of race relations and inclusion, but, but still had amazing success. And they're now the ones who are strategically leading what we're doing. And it's, it's, it's a very exciting project and initiative to be a part of. And it's so important. Like, it is such an important project, working with the cohort and just realising, like you were saying, people having access to understanding how to delegate their finances, their contracts, you know, the imposter syndrome because they haven't been included in the conversation. Diversity of thought is so important. How can we have an outcome for something but the people that we're trying to find a solution for are not included? It just doesn't make sense. So much more needs to be done. And I just think that, you know, it's 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 great that steps have are being made in order for that to, to happen and to, to go forward. Um, what would you say are some of the things that you you did touch on it slightly just now about some of the takeaways that there have been so far for the cohort? Like from you know now they've been through those processes, they've they've done the different kinds of of workshops. Um, what what has been sort of like 
the the impact would you say you know yeah you know I, I think it's quite interesting because we have you know because we have launched uh, applications for year two and the program for year two you we, we've communicated some some wins right but strangely enough what you can't communicate well you can communicate oh this person was at this point and then they're now doing yeah. this role this person's gone on tour and we funded this and they've put an album out and, and which is great but it's 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 some of the stuff on the sessions where people are sharing yeah. their insecurity or that or someone goes oh i'll help give me a call after this or yeah. you know you don't know about nfts and crypto I, I, that's what I do. Let's let I'll do a masterclass. It's it's when we done the the, uh, the our first catch up at, at the Roundhouse in person, and they came together. And I'm just sitting back and I'm just like marveling these wonderfully wonderful professionals, all in different spaces from different parts of the country. You know, different experiences, different specialities, but beautiful black people coming together and building. It's like it's it's a bit like. You know, even now I get chills talking about it. It's because they didn't know each other. Me too, me too. Even myself. You know, my, well, my thing is like in your head, in my, and I'm from outside, as you can tell me, I'm, I'm based and I've grown up outside of London. So that becomes even more powerful because it's like, these are black people who are all flying individually, coming together and helping yeah. each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That, you, that, that's, that's like African village stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Which we all say, and that diaspora broke that up. And I'm saying, if we can keep building this and playing and power up and play their parts, because you know yourself and you know a million organisations and individuals are doing great work. We all do our part. Like the future is going to be so much better than 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 the past. And that that is a to to feel like you can see that as much as the outcomes of people earning more money and all that they are so vital and so important. But yeah. I think if the wind turns and things go bad, but we're together, mm. then that's the most beautiful thing. That's the biggest legacy of this, that we can actually help each other and we know what each other's doing. That is, that's the powerful thing because that's what, if we're being 100% real, that's what certain other race racial groups do really well and yeah. why they they can come through challenging times and where they can succeed. And we've, you know, one of the comments on the black community is sometimes we aren't actually a community. We are a people, but we're not necessarily a community. And I feel like projects like this have, have um, amplified the need for that network and community and has also been a beacon of light to what that can do and how that can help individuals. And I think that's, that's really important. A lot of our communities are going through socio-economical disparity, so much so that Yes, somebody, you know, we've got talent in our community, talent for days, you know, singers, writers, but people are living in very strenuous situations and they will take the opportunity to go and sing to, 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 to meet a very um, premature need, right, um, financially, and maybe create commitments with um industry people because they're thinking about the immediate need not realizing that they are, have been you know somewhat um they're losing out in comparison to their counterparts in comparison to their worth and 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 what they should be receiving for that piece of work and these things consistently happen with, within our communities because of lack of knowledge because of 
access and opportunity. And the ecosystem that you spoke about earlier is the reason why we need um, things like Power Up, which is an ecosystem of support that now encompasses those people who have not had the privilege previously yeah. to other kinds of um, uh, um, group cultural groups because of the socio-economical disparities through education, through, through their career, and within the industry. What can some of these you know, top-down le- leaders within the industry we, we know that there's, um, it was, it was, it was, um, uh, gosh, uh, uh, who, who's, who's, uh, Mark, uh, King, Dr. Martin yeah. Luther King's um, day a few, a few days ago. And yeah, in 1968, yeah. he said, I know I had a dream, right? But I, but I, I realised that actually it was a bit optimistic, right? I, I said the speech, but it was a bit optimistic. We actually do have a long way to go. So I'm on the side of realism a bit now. We still have a long way to go in 2022. You're on the ground. You're in it every day. You're working hard. You're creating change. What are some of these leaders, top, you know, from top down, aliases, people that are, are saying, right, we want to make a, a difference in this industry. Yes, we have, have power up, but our participants are going to be leaving us and they're going to be coming back to you guys who say you want to make a difference. What do they now intrinsically need to be doing? I think one of the biggest frustrations I have, there's a lot of leading organisations, for instance, like the majors aren't invested in power at the moment, but we are helping technically to send talent to them or support talent that's already within their system in terms of not music talent um, who are in their system, but some of their staff. And that shows the deficits there. But I think these leaders in those organisations, not just the majors, but I think they need to be honest with the problem, but also go to to places and partner with organisations that can really address the problem. Like sometimes there's a little bit of recreating the wheel so we will create our own thing here and we'll do this and, and we think that's going to solve the problem. Whereas my view is like there's people who work in this space and have worked in this space for a long time who understand it, partner with them, support them. Um, that, that's, that's a little bit of vulnerability for these large organisations and individuals. But I think fundamentally it's, it's the right way about it because empower, that's true empowerment. True empowerment is going, I'm in a position of power, but I don't need to control this. What I need to do is find the people who do it best. And that may make me the, not the smartest person in the room or not the most experienced person in the room or maybe not even the most powerful person in the room, but that's the right thing to do. And, you know, I've got to give credit to someone like Leo Cohen at YouTube Music because when he heard about Power Up, he went, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And, and he's what like, you just said was powerful. What you just said gave me goosebumps. When you spoke about, <laughs> but, that, but, the, but what I'm saying is, someone like Leo Cohen was like, yes. you know, you know, I get it. I'm not, fr- I'm from the culture. I worked in hip hop and whatever, you know, Respect hundreds of millions him. of pounds in his net worth. But his point is, you know, we have to do better, and we need some power. You guys have created a format here, so we need to back that. So I think that's, I think that's important. I think there's a challenge to our, and and that's you know, fundamentally, a lot of that's about people who don't look like us. In those yeah. positions now the people who look like us in those positions i think we've got to look at how how do we better connect back because for the longest time we've had this thing of like you know we took you know there's various who 10 percent black probably who, who succeed and you know and how are they 
how are, how is the other 90% connected to that 10%, right? Because I know from, from speaking to some people who are hugely successful black people who are, you know, heading up corporations or, or quite high up in corporations, there's a level of loneliness there where they feel like people say they've sold out, they don't help, they don't, and there's a complication to that situation. But there's a, my point is if we stand in solidarity throughout from the ground to the, to the, to the glass root corner office um, and those people who don't even want to go in corner offices but are hugely influential, there's power in that. And that's why even with the power of strategy, we power up such and such and they have, end up being the person who runs that massive organization that changes the game. Yeah. But they feel connected, then they're gonna they're gonna look out for everyone. They're never gonna feel isolated because isolation is horrible. Isolation at the top must be as horrible as isolation at the bottom. Because yeah. at the moment the funnel suggests that if you're black and you're at the bottom of the rung, there might be a lot of black people there. So you've got a level of well, it's us against them. Now if you're at the top and you're the only one and you feel like you're imposter, but you're You've, you've got a two million pound budget and you've got all those microaggressions and you've got all those comments or that's a lonely space if you can't go and speak to your people so what we need to do is you know having people move up to that level but move up to that level feeling connected and feeling like they are supported by their own um i think that's important so obviously you've got the non-black people in positions of power but the black people in positions of power i just hope that we can all stay connected and whatever conversation needs to be had around how it feels like when you're in the position or the pressure of feeling like you've got it. We should have those conversations openly yeah. because we should all be, be able to go up. And the only way that can work is almost like people reaching back and mentoring and sharing wisdom and sharing how it is for them. Do you know what I mean? And not being in their, their ivory tower or whatever it may be or insulated from, from mm. us. Do you know what I mean? I think that's important because that's being put onto us. Mm. What about you? What What about you, yeah? Like your journey, um, you know, growing up and and in education and get going into the music industry yourself. Yeah. What, so, what, what's been what has been your experience? My, well, my journey is you know I've um dual heritage in the sense of my dad's from Ghana. It sounds mad to say dual heritage, but you'll understand what I mean. My dad's from Ghana. Um, I'm a mum from Jamaica. And they met in England um, as they both came over late teens, early 20s. And they had us, four children. Um, I'm the middle child, twins underneath me and an older brother. And I grew up in a suburban area. So I was, you know, our fam- when, when I was in high school, it was me and my brother and another family that were from Ghana as well. Their parents were from Ghana. So there's four of us in a school of 1,500 people that were black. I grew up in an area probably... 60,000 people, two or three black families, all connected. Um, So, you know, I've experienced growing up in that way. And, but, you know, having family in London and Preston, you know, going to South Liverpool, which is, which has got a old, you know, a a very old black community and experience in culture in the house and outside and family parties and all that kind of thing. But also, being able to be tolerant and understanding of other cultures and under, but also understanding the perspective of those other cultures about us, yeah. right or wrong, whatever. So, you know, as you grow up, you start understanding that. And, I, you know, in school, I don't, I don't well. I was quite academic. But I, I, um, I experienced microaggressions. I experienced racism. I, I, I actually say to some people sometimes who say, 
we grew up in this place, we grew up in the hood or whatever, or whatever phrase they may use. And I go, I grew up when I know what racism is because it's a very different thing when you're isolated. Like, you know, I know what that was. My Before my parents moved to the suburbs, they grew up in a very white working class area. Yeah. And I, I, I won't even repeat some of the things that happened to them and their friends in that area, but they had to get us out. And that afforded me a certain education, a certain lifestyle, or seeing a certain lifestyle, I, I didn't miss out on the culture, but I got a wider perspective. So then when I, when I, I went to university in Lund Law, um, which was a challenge to me, and I think it was a, a response to a guidance counsellor suggesting I couldn't, um, which challenged me to do it. But fundamentally, I didn't want to... Yeah, I didn't want to... I didn't want to do... Um, I didn't want to do law. I didn't want to practice law because I felt it was it would potentially be a culture, um, a trade-off. So I ended up falling into music and music ended up being, and I've, I've always worked for myself. So when I finished university at 21, I fell into music, but being able to build my own company and companies and do my own thing and have my own vision, I found that very empowering. Um, but again, I had massive challenges because I set, the, I set my businesses up in Liverpool. So I had every structural challenge that that exists in terms of race and expectation and you know and but you know i've been lucky i've ended up working with some of the biggest brands bbc black entertainment television um levi's nike adidas um liverpool city council coventry council brent and delivering work for them so but again if i didn't have that 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 how i grew up and what i seen and how i was able to maybe book some book some expectations I, don't, I think if I didn't have that I probably wouldn't feel comfortable in those spaces so I understand imposter syndrome yeah. and I feel imposter syndrome a lot but I know I've, I've had to work through but I understand that thing I understand the, the regionality thing because I understand what it's like when I first went to London and how people would view me or how people view the products or the services that we do will it work in London is it good so I understand the, the complexities of it do you know what I mean I understand talents both the artist and the non-artist and how, you know, there's critical periods of time. I understand why networks are critical. I understand why support and cr- critical. I understand, you know, it's it's, it's all that stuff. So I, I think I've been very lucky to have been through such, tr- tr- I wouldn't say traumatic, but such challenging t- times. times. But I also think that it's, it's, it's educated me in a way that I've never trade for anything easier because it, it's put me in a position where I'm, 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 I'm involved in great things like Power Up now. Yeah, and and the people that you're working with, it isn't like some some organisations where, like I was saying, they're creating a solution, but actually we've not walked in those shoes. You've walked in those shoes. You understand it. You understand the bugbears, and you understand the, the indifferences and and what needs to happen. Um, uh, the 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 fashion industry lost you know a, a major mogul you know yeah. and Vir- Virgil Abloh and and he was talking about what he would say to his former self at 17 what would you say to your former self at, at, I, at you know what that is an amazing question um well I read something when I was around that age and it was by a, a producer called Jermaine Dupri and Jermaine Dupri um produced Everyone, Janet Jackson, TLC, Bianca Criss Cross, The Brat, So So Debt, all that thing. And he said in this magazine, I think it was called, I think it was Trace Magazine, which I assume is no longer around. And he said, pay attention to that child. Pay attention to who you are at 10 years old, because 
that's who you're meant to be, right? And I remember telling you, I was always interested in business, but I was always, you know, the biggest thing I remember about being that age, I was like, I had a bit of an activist in me. So like we used to be in the playground and there used to be like the kids who were really good at sports and the kids who were the outcasts and there used to be two teams in the playground. And I used to always want to go on the ones that were the kid who had the snotty nose, the kid who wasn't very fast, the chubby. I was always about that thing. Um, every now and again, we used to beat the team that with the athletes, with the ones who were meant to win. And I just got some different thrill off that. And I remember that I started a magazine in school. I was doing jumble sales with my neighbours. And, so, and I was like, that was my thing of almost like taking very little and making something out of it. And also being the underdog and working with the underdog. To, to, so like, so at 70, if I spoke to the guy at 17, I, I'd say you, you, you've read that thing. Believe that it's true. Yeah. Believe that that is true and lean into that. And all these people who are around who will tell you, you know, when I first went for business advice about my first business, I was told by every single person, well, sorry, every single person bar one in all the institutions that were meant to support new business and creatives and stuff that it wouldn't work. Like I'll tell that 17 year old that don't, don't believe that. Don't, don't believe it and don't waste time. Do just focus and develop the idea, develop your, what you do, your craft. Um, and just be, do you know what I mean? And I think Virgil's an interesting one because, again, he wasn't from an epicenter. Chicago is not the epicenter of fashion or yeah. or culture or whatever. It's 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 a city that's really struggled. And he was intelligent person. His parents raised him well. You know, immigrants in the same way that yeah. their parents came over from uh, Africa. And you know, he's changed the world. He changed the world by believing in himself and betting on himself. And I think. That's a, that's a big lesson because, again, we sometimes not afforded the same, not just the opportunities, sometimes we're not afforded the same the same um, safety net to fail, yeah. so we don't try. Yeah. So all that comes into it is just like, yow at 17, just believe in what you've already got because there's going to be loads of naysayers, there's going to be people who fear, like your parents, we all know what our parents are like. Like, they, we've come over here, we've worked hard, go and get a proper job, that's safe. Do you know what I mean? But it, 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 it's in that vulnerability, as I mentioned before, is where the big wins are, the big successes are. You know that's, why, that's why Shirley Chisholm, you know, it, her, her quote is still one of my favourites, where she says, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Yeah, and Shirley Chisholm was, a, was an activist and, and, and politician in the States as well. I know that our interview is coming, coming, coming to wrap up now. So if you could just tell... Um, our audience and um, when the new cohorts at Power Up will start and um, yeah anything else that we need to know about Power, Power Up 2022 because I'm so excited I could talk to you all day I've, I, it's, it's been such a great conversation and we're definitely going to have to come back at some point during, during the cohort to, yeah. to, to speak to you and, and maybe a few people that are on the uh, Parrot, parrot. Yeah, definitely, they're the people that you should be speaking to, not me, really. But let, but um, but thanks for having me first and foremost. Um, if anybody wants to apply for Power Up, if you're hitting a glass ceiling, you're you're a black professional in the music industry, or that's your specialty, and you're hitting a glass ceiling, and you need support, and it's not just money. It's you want the network, you want to learn, you want to develop yourself professionally, you want to power up yourself. Check out Power Up on PRS Foundation's website, which is just prsfoundation.com. Um, find Power Up, read about it, and, and you know, look at applying. If you want advice, get in contact with me. 
my details are on the website on the on the on the contact page but um yeah just have a go but if even if you're not and you work in this space and you want to contribute or you want to just know more or you want to spread the word just get in contact i think one thing that is a strand of this conversation is we've got to be connected this is a cause that's bigger than any individual so if you feel like you can contribute whether it's i will just repost or you know send me the assets and i'll repost or i know somebody that may want to or i know somebody who's got a lot of money who would love to back this i'd love to be able to speak to them on your behalf or put them in whatever it may be i think that that's how we've got to go we've got to go through that what does it, it takes a village you know what I mean? It takes a village to, to, to lead a movement. And I think that's what we've got to take from this. So I, I just encourage people to get in contact if you want to know more. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for sharing your story as well. My, my son is Ghanaian and Jamaican. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> and, and he's a yell as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, you told me. And, and you know what? I always say, you know, I always say it's like, I'm, I, I always look at myself like an in-betweener because a lot of my existence is not being on either side it's just being in the middle so there's a conf- there's a conflict but there's a beauty and uh, there's a tension in yes. that, the west african jamaican thing you know for the longest time jamaicans didn't think they come from you know like that that's like yeah. a mad one and for the longest <laughs> you know the west africans had a bit of snobbery it's the idea of those people who were taken so it, it's this thing so when you grow up in that but then there's a massive richness in the cultures so it's like you, you it's, if you frame it right you get the best of both worlds 100%. Even myself, I get the best of both worlds. I love my Ghanaian food. If I could eat it all the time, I would. You know, and my son as well, he loves it. And yeah, he's definitely the best. He's a, he's a proud Ghanaian boy, but he's also proud of his Jamaican heritage as well. So yes, it's 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 it's, it's a good place to be. It's a lovely place to be. And um, I, I just I, I just want to thank you again. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you so much for sharing your story about power up on the power hour how about that no it's, it's like it was written this this is perfect this was written this was meant to be and it's all about interconnections all about us growing as a community supporting one another and you know being you know putting 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 our mouth you know putting it where we, we say it is you know if we say we're going to do something we'll do it and we do it together because we know that it, like you said, it is going to take a village. We have got a long way to go, but let's be optimistic that we're going to power up and we're going to get there. So thank you again. Thank you very much. Yeah. And um, I'll see you very, very soon.